They put on the helmet and pads. Picked off by Jonathan Joseph. The Texans go in front. And make the big plays. Back again by Whitney Merciless. His second of the game. Now it's time for Texans players to take you inside the game. But as a player, you got to use the little things and the details. And they'll take you outside the white lines, too. Bread pudding, apple pie and ice cream, peach cobbler, or sweet potato casserole. Yeah. Welcome to the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show. Live from Fuddruckers with your hosts, Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty. Yes. At Town & Country tonight, as people are making their way home, stop on in and have some burgers, some shakes. They have salads. Lawrence is having a salad tonight. He inspired me so much that I'm having a burger. Anyway, <laughs> they have good salads here. Jonathan Joseph is going to be here any second as he's making his way over. Traffic in this part of town, they have that too, okay, on the west side of the city. Hard to believe, but there's traffic everywhere in Houston. We know about, about that. So... J.J. will be here. We'll have questions from his teammates, questions from the crowd. By the way, here at Fuddruckers tonight, they will have the game on, okay? The game is on tonight. You talking about the WNBA game? Uh, yeah, that, Drew, the, the rugby game, the New Zealand All Blacks tonight. Play, no, they, uh, we have the baseball game on this evening. So don't worry, you won't miss it. They have more TVs than you do at home, so you're going to have a good time here listening to J.J., checking out the game and spending some time with us. That's good stuff. And what a day it was on Sunday as the Texans dismantled the Atlanta Falcons 53-32. to Everybody's fired up about Still that Still enjoying one. that win yep. two days and, later. You know, the, the team turns the page, but I don't have to yet, do I? No. no. I, that's, that's just for the players where they had 24 hours to get over. But I think heading into Kansas City and playing Patrick Mahomes, you just that's, that, that could not have come at better timing to have a game of that sort of offensive pa- firepower that mm-hmm. they did. Because that just gets you so much more excited to see Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes. I only wish they could have beaten the Colts on Sunday night, too. They're coming off their first loss of the season, their worst offensive performance. It would have been nice if they were both coming off wins. And, uh, you know, the Colts were down one. But, hey, what can you do? Think where we were a week ago at this time, mentally. Uh, Mentally, it was not as good a place. No, no, it wasn't. just peeled off 53 points as opposed to 10. And you saw, you saw, I mean, that's the second time in franchise history it's happened. It's only Mm -hmm. happened when Deshaun Watson's been the quarterback. Right. And it's kind of like what we were thinking pie in the sky could happen with all these weapons on offense and with Deshaun getting protection and doing. And now it was perfect because he didn't get sacked. He got hit once. I mean, that's about as good as it's going to get. But, man, there's lots of options. And we didn't even see all of them. There was no Kenny Stills. You know, it was, it was, it was just perfect. I mean, Will, I think gets balanced back you know his mm-hmm. 213 yards will kind of funnel over to Hopkins a little bit yeah and stills a little bit and QT a little bit and the tight ends I mean Jordan Akins had one catch and he buried that one guy but I mean he's probably gonna get more active too I don't know what it is about Will Fuller but when he makes those catches it just the place just goes bananas I think everybody's mm-hmm. just been waiting for him to have that sort of breakout game because you see flashes of it and Bill O'Brien talked about it, too. He's just been hit, unfortunately, with the injury bug. Last year, he had that big game against Miami, and then he goes out for the rest of the year. Everybody's just sort of waiting for him to come back. He has that tremendous game. And were you the one, Drew, saying that, you know, we're just waiting? Or was it maybe it was John Harris? Is it one of these days, very soon, Will Fuller's about to break loose for yeah, a I mean, crazy game? You know who looks like a and prophet with, with, with regards to Will Fuller is his head coach mm. at Notre Dame. Kelly, back on draft night, when the Texans picked him, 
Fuller was not in Chicago at that draft, but his, his head coach, Brian Kelly, was. So we got Brian Kelly for an interview. I remember that. And he said, listen, people are going to compare him to Ted Ginn, and Ted Ginn's a good player, but Ted Ginn's kind of one-dimensional as a receiver. He's only a deep threat. Will Fuller is a deep threat, but he's also a complete receiver. He can change the dimension of the offense. And when he said that, I was, you know, I was pretty excited, but I also knew, eh, let's temper things. It's, it's the draft night. Right. He's wanting to pump up his College guys. Coach. He's looking to recruit a little bit. Yeah. But everything he said has come true. I mean, everything he said. Well, and every, time, every time Will's, Will gets tackled, we held our breath yes, a little bit because true. he's had a bit of an injury issue in the past. But let's hope that's the past because he is such a big-time playmaker. And you're right, he's a great route runner. That third and five, they converted late from the 44-yard oh, line into a touchdown when we were what thinking, a just get a first down and take a knee, but uh, they got a touchdown out of it. And ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to our broadcast stage here at Fuddruckers Town & Country, Jonathan Joseph, J. Joe in the house as he joins us live. And I know my first question for you tonight, which is sports media, J. Joe. By the way, good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> just get right into the questions. <laughs> sports media fans, sometimes we think if a team loses – the, the mindset from those outside the building might be, oh, they're going to be really mad. They'll be really tough to beat next week because they're coming off a loss. And people are saying that about Kansas City. People said that about the Texans last week. Is there any truth to that? You're coming off a loss. You're sharper the next week. Or when you start winning, do you get on a roll? Like, how do you guys look at it? I guess there's a little truth in that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you talk about it. And um, at the end of the day, you know, however the results uh, come out, then right. you kind of look back on it and say, you know, he's either that way or that way. But I think you just go into it when you have a loss and you feel like you should have won that game. You know, it kind of stings a little different. So the next time you go out there, you're looking to say you want to do everything possible because it's a must win. Not really as in like a playoff win, but a game like if we get this one, this it shows a sign of being a good team. We were just talking about Will Fuller and the game that he's had and how everyone was just sort of waiting for him to have that sort of breakthrough game because you knew what he was capable of. You get to cover him in practice. You get to see him every single day. What you know? What are your thoughts on seeing him and Hopkins out there together, and and how Will has looked in the last few weeks of practice? They're a top duo. Um, they complement one another. You know, um, Will deep speed, but he can run all the routes in every um, position. You know, he can play in the slot outside. So I think it does good for Deshaun to have those guys moving around, and obviously him being healthy again. Do you think? Have you seen improvement in him just over the last few years, just in his ability to run those routes? Because Bill O'Brien says he's, he's always said he's a good route runner, but what sort of improvements have you seen from him year over year? Just uh, the burst at the top. Um, you know, obviously coming off a knee injury, um, it's confidence mm-hmm. that has to come back into play. And I think now he's really confident. And um, training camp, you know, he didn't go out there full go. He was easing back into it. And now he had a full um, few games to get into game mode and game shape. Now you can see where his legs are really starting to be strong. And he's starting to get past everybody back deep, and he's catching those balls. We talk about top receivers and great receivers. Those guys are. But you guys just faced one in Julio Jones, and it was pretty quiet on his side of the field. How, how awesome was that afterwards when you look back and think about what, we, what you guys did as a defense and shutting down one? I mean, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Oh, absolutely. See, that's that same saying. You know, you go into the game plan saying, we're going to contain this guy, we're going to contain this guy. And, you know, after the game, you know, you look, you look we did a good job, but we didn't. I think everybody had a collective effort on it. You know, obviously Coach Romeo Cornell mixing up the coverages, you know, keeping Matt Ryan off beat, you know, where he had to read after the snap and things. And I think guys just did a great job overall. You know, that was Roby's particular guy in man coverage and thing. He did a great job, you know, matching up with him throughout the day. What, do you, what have you thought about Lonnie Johnson so far? I know a lot of people have had their eye on him. You know, it's, it, for a cornerback that's a rookie in the league, it's tough. But it seems like he's really showing some improvement every week. 
Absolutely. I think every week, the more and more you play, you start to learn from your mistakes. And I think um, that's the biggest thing with him right now. Uh, don't get too high and don't get too low. Obviously, it's a passing league, so guys want to make plays on you. But just be resilient and go out there and just live and learn and play the next play. Jonathan Joseph with us. Jonathan, the Texans are really good at stopping the run. And what's a corner's role in that? What's the mindset like? Because ever since you arrived on campus in 2011, the Texans really beefed up the run stopping. And it seems like you and Kareem at the time and whoever else is available, you guys are dedicated to that as cornerbacks and defensive backs in general. So what about that part of it? It's a big part of it, honestly. A lot of people think about the pass game, but I think as a corner, the crack and replace is probably the hardest playing football when you have a guy like Leonard Fournette, um, Saquon Barkley, those guys mm-hmm. coming in. It's a one-on-one tackle with a lot of space. And, you know, obviously they go and crack the safety. So, you know, we have our part that we have to do and limit those big plays because when they get one-on-one and a lot of offensive coordinators scheming for us, you know, we have to come up there and make, you know, a tackle one-on-one in space. Did you watch any of that Sunday night game with the, the Chiefs and the Colts? Yeah, I, gl- I glimpsed through it a little bit here and there. <laughs> what, what did you think of how the, Colts de- how the Colts defense played the Chiefs? I think they did a great job, I think. It's hard to watch when you're watching um, the film copy from the TV copy. You can't uh, see the entire, the yeah, all 22, no. the way you, you're using it. Is using the sound on or is the sound off? Oh, the sound always on. Always on. It's always, always on? on? Yeah, oh, okay. always on. You know, you can pick up, you know, audibles, certain oh. different things that you can hear. So you just always watch it from that way. But I think um, I watched it. I just want to get a feel how the game was being played, you know, how they was calling the plays, when they was looking to take shots. Just typical football stuff. You know, I leave the other stuff up to the coaches. When I get there tomorrow, they have a more specific game plan. When they do game plan and they present that to you, they always want your input, right? As they're showing it to you. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) Not enough. <laughs> well, well, but I know you're kind of a you're the coach on the field, really. And, I feel like you're always sideline. talking to guys. Players on the are leaning on you. I would imagine that uh, <laughs> that they'll listen to your feedback anyway. I think um, they obviously put way more hours in, you know, preparing the game plan <laughs> than I do. So you know, I kind of be respectful, you mm-hmm. know, when they come in there, and you know, we go out throughout the week, and uh, if it's something that I may see that we possibly can throw in or tweak a little bit, you know, I just put in my input and see how they feel about it. And, you know, we go out there and practice it. And if it works, you know, good. If not, we'll try something else. What about through the course of a game or maybe the week before, but how to play a certain individual? Like, I got to back off this guy or I got to go up on him or at this point I'll do this and that and the other thing. What, do you, yeah. what about that part of it? Um, that plays a lot, too, because everybody is different in this league from a skill set. Some guys right. are quick, bigger. Mm-hmm. Some guys, you know, um, elongated in their steps. So I think um, the coaches do a good job of trying to pinpoint it. And, you know, we was matching different guys up between me, Lonnie, Roby. We all got different skill sets. And I think um, to do that, you put a player in a better position to kind of go out there and win this matchup. So what do you think of Patrick Mahomes? He's a bad dude, man. You know, um, <laughs> Jonathan just shook his head about five times left to right So before he answered that. I guess it's because, you know, over the years, you know, you see some of these young quarterbacks coming here and they don't pan out. And to see a guy come in that early in his career and have that type of success, and it's not by fluke. You know, he's been able to go and prepare and get better each and every week. He's handling the blitzes, you know whatever you throw at him. So I think that's a special talent. Speaking of impressive quarterbacks, what about the, the performance Deshaun put in on Sunday? I mean, you guys see him every single day, but how impressed were you being on the field on the sideline watching him? Um, I feel like every time we say his name, he's going to get applause, as he should. Yeah, he, he's dynamic. You know, um, I remember we played Kansas City in the preseason last year, and I was riding um, to Walgreens, and they were talking about Deshaun and Patrick Mahomes in the car, and that was the whole uh, topic of conversation. And now you look at those two guys that's taking the NFL by storm. And I think it just comes from hard work, preparation, dedication. You put great players around those guys, those guys can excel. Do you think last week when he stayed on the field afterwards and he was throwing passes, did you see a 
a different mindset in him throughout the course of the week coming off that. That was probably one of his worst performance professionally, and then he goes from worst to best. Do you, or do you, you know, everyone just talks about how he's the same guy every single day. Do you, do you think that played into it at all? Uh, and the, 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 the big improvement that he had week to week? I guess as a quarterback, you can go out there and do that after the game. You know, um, only they know, you know, how their arm feels. So they can go out there and, you know, make some of those throws. And I think with the players, it's in your mind a lot. So if that's a way to get it out of your memory, to go out there and work and get some of those throws. And then you come back and fast forward to this past week to where it was the same situation in the game. We were fully deep on some of those balls and hop where he connected. So And they were perfect. yeah, Yeah. So, you know, obviously you think in your head, man, you know, it feels good to, you know, finally get some reward from the work that I put in. Jonathan Joseph is with us at Fuddruckers, and we have questions from his teammates coming up next and also from the crowd as well. That's happening down the line here at Fuddruckers Town and Country for the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show. Keep it here for more of the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show right here on Texans Radio. Rooting for the family team has become quite the tradition at Amogee Bank. It's something we grew up doing. And it's something that defines who we are. We're also big fans of rooting for family businesses. Because in all of our years of banking, we found that when we treat every business like family, they tend to prosper. So if you're a family business and you need a bank, come see us today. Amogee Bank. Here you grow. Amogee Bank, a division of Zions Bank Corporation and a member FDIC. Official business bank of the Houston Texans. Without Verizon Up, your football season could sound like this. You call that a throw? Put me on that field. You know I was all conference in high school. Would have went pro if it wasn't for my appendicitis. And here's what it could sound like with Verizon Up. Scott Miller, follow me to your seats. They're all the way down in row one. The network more people rely on gives you more, like NFL tickets and experiences with Verizon Up, only on Verizon. Based on metrics by IHS Markets, Root Score Reports, 1H 2019 of four mobile networks. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Results may vary. Now back to Fuddruckers for more of the Texans Players Show. We're at the town and country location of Fuddruckers. Mark Vandermeer, Drew Jordy, DB Sidhu, and Jonathan Joseph tonight. And uh, one of our big fans here, Lawrence, tweeted out the ageless Jonathan Joseph, who's in his 47th year in the NFL. No. Easy. No. Easy. He's not. not. But I said, you know, when you got on campus in 2011 and J. Joe, it's starting to sound like a while ago, but here you are still playing, still doing your thing. And I ask you this every year, any changes to the physical routine, what you're doing, how you're staying so young? And I know you like Aaron Glenn. He's the defensive backs coach for the Saints, and you guys talk from time to time, and he was a terrific. You two guys are the best corners in the history of the franchise, and and obviously you're the best now, but uh, what about that? What about that relationship, how he might have helped you and other guys that you've talked to along the way? Um, you know, I just talked to him. You know, we played those guys recently, and you know, he always first thing he always tell me, man, just take care of your body, stay on top of that, and just play as long as you can, as long as you're healthy. And you know, from those words, you know, with me, I just try to stay on top of it. But for now, the biggest thing with me is just getting more rest, more rest. Just, yeah, just getting more rest because obviously, you know, my kids are involved in a lot more, and I have to be there for them. <laughs> rest so from the kids. I have I get to that. get a rest, you know, because first and foremost, I have a job that I have to do, so I have to be prepared for that. And I have to give my time to my family also, so that's important for me. Is it rest or sleep or both? Can you sleep long hours? Are you capable of that? Uh, Especially with small re- children? Not, not really <laughs> long hours. It's more so just getting rest, just getting off my feet and just right. not being as active and, you know, moving all around. You know, once I get them in bed, I had a bad habit of just standing up and watching TV. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, to one in the morning. But, you know, I still don't get sleep in meetings, but I just know over a long course of a season, you know, the more rest that I can get, my body be able to recover faster and those type of things. I remember in training camp you said that this year you decided to try something different. You wanted to go train with some younger guys. Oh, I did Across do that. some college kids too, right? Yeah, up at um, LJ Performance over here off Richmond and uh, like Fountain View, that area. And um, it was pretty good. You know, Kendrick Lewis was over there. Were they there, just Mike like, what is, what is he doing here? <laughs> yeah, a lot of the guys from U of H, a lot of those guys was over there. And it was pretty good because I had no idea who none of those guys were. And um, just to meet some of those guys and get in there and compete with those guys. And just a lot of it turned into me just talking and giving pointers and tips. Mm-hmm. And um, I enjoyed that more than anything also, just getting me out of the house, just getting me out of my comfort zone. To kind of shake things up for you, like mentally, just being around those guys that you know, are doing something different than what you normally do? Absolutely, because you always can learn something. You know, you can just sit back and watch and see. You know, it can simplify things for you. Or you can just ask a question and you might, okay, now I understand why that is happening or why, you know, you guys are doing that. Because a lot of times in the offseason, you have a chance to talk to wide receivers also. What's the biggest thing you took away from working out with younger guys? I can still do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's important. You know, you got to go out there and measure yourself. Because Frank Gore does. I read an article about Frank Gore that he does the same thing. He would go train with younger guys just to make sure he could still keep up with them. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, because that's your competition. That's the guys you're competing against on the field. So um, a lot of times it's good to train, you know. I kind of break it down to categories, you know, through early on and off season. I just get back into the floor of things. But the closer you get to the season, I have to get in the closest game shape as I can. So the best way for that is to go out there with guys like that. Jonathan Joseph with us. Let's get to some questions from some Texans players for J. Joe. And who's up first? Hey, what's up, J. Joe? This is Mike Adams. My question to you is, what do you miss about the 1990s? <laughs> you finally got someone older than you in the DB's room. Poor guy. He said that he really feels out of place with some of these younger defensive backs because they want to listen to new music that he is not familiar with. Um, yeah, for sure. He definitely came in there and he definitely put me down a couple of years. It's glad to have that in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> About the 90s. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> he's 38. Right, right, right. Yeah. About the 90s. That's a good one there. Um, I guess I was a kid then, so I don't really know. I guess just being able to be around my friends back then, you know, mm-hmm. uh, being 35 years old now, I have a lot of responsibilities. So as a kid, I had no responsibilities, so I was just able to get up and go and just have a lot of fun and enjoy myself. What's Adam's been like just being around him? It's been a pleasure to have him in the room. Uh, it's another guy that's played at a high level, played in big games mm-hmm. throughout his career. Um, was a starter last year. Um, so I think anytime you have another guy like that who's still capable of play. Because throughout the season, you never know when a guy goes down, when you need an extra body. So to have that veteran presence there is big for us. And it's not just an old guy with veteran. I mean, it's like you said, he can play. Like he started every game last year on the Panthers with Reed. I mean, that that's pretty darn impressive just to find a guy like that at the beginning of a season, in the middle of a season, really. Absolutely. And I think, you know, most importantly, it's about finding the right type of guys for the room to where, you know, he not coming in with the attitude to where I played 15, 16 years in this league and I started 15 games last year, so I want to get on the field. You know, he's not coming into that mindset. He's coming in. How can I help the young guys? How can I be a veteran presence in this room? So that's what type of guys you need. Jonathan Joseph with us. What's our next question from a Texans player for J. Joe? This is Larry Tunsil. J. Joe, what's your favorite candy? And what is not your favorite candy? 
Oh, he's got some pipes, by the way. What do you think of Laramie? You've gotten to know him a little bit, personality-wise. I like Laramie. Laramie's a real cool dude. I feel like you two would get along, because he's (laughs) super chill, you're super chill. I feel like, personality-wise, you guys would get along off the field. Yeah, yeah, we had a few conversations, and... We rode in an Uber together, and we still we, we didn't talk as much. But it was one day we was walking to a meeting, and I made a comment to him, and his reaction was way more funny than I expected. And ever since then, we kind of just kind of hit it off because he was thinking the same thing I was thinking, and I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. I want to ask what his reaction minds was. I know I'm like even guess... more curious. Is it not first suitable that's for radio? locker room stuff, maybe. Yeah, right, so locker what, room what, stuff, locker room locker stuff, for sure. <laughs> but it was good, it was good locker room stuff. Uh, but it was definitely locker room stuff. All right, what about but, the candy question? Um, my favorite candy would probably be gummy worms um, or the Sour Patch Kids. That's my favorite. All right, so what's the least favorite? Uh, that corn candy that you get on Halloween. Oh, candy corn. Candy yeah. corn. Yeah, that's my Crowd, candy corn. Thumbs up or thumbs down? <laughs> A lot of thumbs. Oh well, I'm yeah, okay that's with right. It. I'm not like. Hey, my first grade like, teacher's here. She was. Yeah, oh, she, okay. I got lots. <laughs> she likes. She likes it. This is slaughter. Yeah, lots of candy corns back in '84. It was awesome. <laughs> she's, a, she's a regular visitor when we're she out is. here. Oh, yeah. I'm glad she's here. My parents are here. Yeah. Oh, that's great. The Doherty family Not to hijack the show, your yeah. show, J. Joe, but, you know. <laughs> okay, let's get to the next question from a Texans player. What up, J. Joe? It's your boy, Rod. And I wanted to know, who is the meanest person you have ever played with or against throughout your whole career? That's Roderick Johnson, offensive lineman. Perhaps the nicest person in the Texans locker room or one of the nicest people in the Texas, lo- Texas locker room? Yes, by far. He's yeah, by always far. he's one of the nicest guys on the team. Always great spirited, you know, really fun, can dance too. I he like can to dance. dance. Yeah. Big old lineman that yeah, can dance. Nice huh? little two step with some oh, rhythm. Really? For sure, for sure. <laughs> and he well, said the meanest guy. The meanest, the meanest guy, guy you've ever pl- played, you played against or with, then, or, or with or with. <laughs> oh my. The meanest guy. I don't know, that's a good one there. It's kind of hard just to walk the around. The wide receiver super mean? Who are the receivers who talk the most over the um, course of your career? Chad Johnson. It's like Ocho Cinco, Cinco for sure, um, right? Yeah. Chad Johnson, Terrell Owens, uh, those two guys um, for sure. Did you talk to those guys much off the field or after the game and say, hey, that was just all in fun or whatever, or are they really into the receivers? Doing, yeah. After the game or when I was playing with those guys? Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, of course, when you were Cincinnati Bengal. Chad Johnson, was uh, his was all more fun in games, you know, mm-hmm. um, he put a list up in his locker when I first got there, and he was sending oh. out the Pepto Bismol to all the defense, uh, defensive backs, the team that he's going to face. <laughs> and, uh, he's he had guys. the list of all the corners, yeah. and you were there at that point. That's yeah, right. I made my name onto that list some type of way because Hugh Jackson was the wide receivers coach, and mm. you know I had one of my better training camps against him. So he had the whole list. Like nobody can stop Chad Johnson at the list. Jonathan Joseph. You know what I'm saying? So oh, he put wow. me into a battle. I had no reason being into a battle. So <laughs> like now every day I go to practice, Chad Johnson got it out for me. So now I got to go at practice and every day and be on top of my game. But I think it kind of prepared me to be the player that I am today because he brought it every day and he wouldn't shut up. So I had to stop him just to, <laughs> <laughs> just right. to get off his list. Jonathan Joseph with us. We have at least one more question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. One more question from a Texans player for J. Joe. Hey, Joey. It's your old amigo, Sean Cody. Had a question for you, bud. What's the better vacation spot, the Virgin Islands or Cody Island? Ah, <laughs> uh, Cody Island. Nothing tops Cody Island. You guys were sitting in the sand pit sipping Gatorades with, Gatorade, with yeah, umbrellas nothing. in them. Connor Barlow and the Cabana Nothing boy, tops yeah. Cody Island. <laughs> nothing nothing tops Cody Island. <laughs> <laughs> nothing tops. His best episode was the one he was, when he was Santa Claus. 
Cody Claus. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's Cody Claus. Are you Joey? And yes. he he gave you rubber bands to tie all your money together. Yes. He's yeah. like, I've been good to you, Joey. <laughs> yes, yes. I miss him. He was fun. He was, he was fun. I never met him, but I remember Drew and I. We used to talk about on the nose because Drew had a big part of that show. Because he's the guy. Like anytime in the locker room, you know when like it's tense, it's intense, and you don't know whether to say something or say something. You can bank your money on it. He's going to be the guy to say something. <laughs> you don't know what he's going to say, good or bad, but he's going to say it. And if he's wrong, he's going to look like, what? <laughs> it just seems like full of personality. One year Thanksgiving week, he practiced with uh, pilgrim-looking shoes. He taped yeah. up his shoes, and he drew yeah. pilgrim shoes. I, I don't know the name of the shoes. but I think, And then Vontae <clears throat> topped him a couple weeks later during Christmas, and Vontae, on a Friday practice, he dressed up as Santa Claus. That's right. That's before <laughs> for Jason practice? got there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for a you practice. remember like this yeah. Yeah. I wasn't here then. Yeah. Yeah. Was that in 10? It was 09, yeah. Yeah, because Vontae was, was in Baltimore the year that you joined the Texans, yeah. and we faced him in the playoffs. All right. Next up, questions from the crowd for Jonathan Joseph, and we've got a lot more to ask him about Kansas City. Coming up Sunday at the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show here at Town & Country. The Big Finish is up next. The Fuddruckers Texans Players Show continues in a moment. We're back with more of the Texans Players Show, live from Fuddruckers. At Fuddruckers. In the town and country area, right off I-10, it's so easy to find. Jonathan Joseph is our guest tonight. We'll be back out here in a few weeks. Next week, scheduled, we're going to do a little audible here. I talked to Jaleel Adai, and he's going to be on the show in Stafford, and he's bringing the Adai family out there, so I'm looking forward to that. How about the safeties, though, where you get Adai, you get Gibson, just picked up Adams, you already had Reed, who's in his second year. That's a good group right there. Absolutely. I think um, safeties in our defense play a big part of it because, you know, there's a lot of communication going on back there. Um, they like the eyes of the defense. You know, you got three safeties a lot of time on the field when we go dime package. When you put Jaleel at the dime, you have mm-hmm. Justin and Tayshawn in there, and um, you want injury away from having another guy. So you got to have three to four guys that's ready to go at all times at that position. And all those guys having valuable experience and playing at a high level throughout their career, you know, it's great for us to have that depth. All right, let's get to some questions from the crowd here. Lawrence is up first. What's up, Lawrence? How's it going? Do you have any unique pregame rituals? Uh, me? No, none at all, actually. Um, no pregame rituals. Well, I how have they changed, if at all, whatever you do? I just kind of sit around and just kill time because I'm ready to play the moment that I walk in the stadium. Um, I think it's too much downtime. You know, um, we have to be over there three hours before, and that's like forever. Because you can only get stretched for so long. You can only listen to so much music. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, let's just get to like, the game. Let's, let's just start going. the game. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of fine balance, you know. I kind of now I get over there. I'm glad we have it separated to where I can eat breakfast now when I get over there. So I can take my time and eat and don't have to rush. And then I can get around to playing football an hour later. So you don't have any wow. superstitions or things before the game? Like, I have to call this person or I have to. Who was it? One of the, one of the DBs calls his mom. For like an hour. I want to say it's to Sean. He calls uh, his mom I, before every single game. I call on the way to the stadium. I call uh-huh. on the way to the stadium. I do talk to my mom every day, but I call on the way to the stadium. Every day? You talk to your mom, mom every day? Mom. Yeah. That's, That's terrific. Yeah. Oh, everybody. Oh. Really nice. That's really nice. But she don't understand football time, though. 
Yeah. Like I'm on the phone, like, no, you can't tell me about what happened yesterday. No, yeah. like, I'm just calling to say hello. <laughs> I'm here to <laughs> like, This is a quick phone call. <laughs> yeah, check it in. <laughs> that sure. is it's great. It's good. It's, it's like if you call every day, the conversations are actually shorter. So you probably put in yeah, about yeah. the same amount of times if you just called once a week, and then they want to catch up on it. That's everything. the key. That's the key. But now my know? parents will talk to me for an hour, no matter how often <laughs> I call them. Like I don't know how to do that with them. So do you switch up the music, or is it the same songs every week, or does it just not matter? Um, it really don't matter. It just yeah. depends. Sometimes I have my music on. Then if I hear the locker room music on, and it's something that I'm more into than what I'm playing. Is it from um, the 90s? <laughs> no, nah, it's not from the 90s. It's not from the 90s. Um, I just kind of just go with the flow. Um, I don't want to get too high or too low. Don't want to overthink it. You know, I run through my notes a little bit, put a little music on. But for the most part, I'm just ready to get to the game. What about the night before? What Do you have any ritual the night before? Like you have to be in bed by a certain time. I know on the road it's a little bit easier but at home, do you have any things that you must do the night before? I just want to make sure, you know, I'm going over the last-minute tips and reminders, um, watching the last couple games just to get my memory fresh for in the morning. Um, other than that, I don't have to be in bed at a certain time. I don't have to do anything, you know. I want to get a decent little meal, but I don't want to, you know, eat too much. But for the most part, I'm just, you know, whenever I fall asleep, I fall asleep. All right, let's get to our next question from the crowd here for Jonathan Joseph at Fuddruckers Town & Country. Angel, what's happening? All right, wait, let's get If the you mic. could be sponsored by any clothing or shoe company, which one would it be? Ooh. Oh, I, like, I don't think we've ever asked wait, that one of anybody. That's a good one, yeah. I guess Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Coming up as a... Um, let's see. Uh, Jordan, I would say Jordan brand. Just because, you know, that was the idol growing up. He's mm-hmm. the greatest. And obviously he's doing football cleats now. So I would say Jordan. All right, Jordan it is. Cleats. Andre Johnson, Tyron Matthew. Those are some Jordan guys. They had their. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah they get sure. to wear that Good. stuff. Okay, next question for the crowd. Yeah, what's your name, sir? Well, this is Ron. Hi, Ron. What's your question? What are your plans after the your football career is over? In another 10 to 15 <laughs> years, Jonathan, <laughs> what are your plans? Uh, I have no idea exactly what I want to do. Um, I don't know. It'll probably be something with football, something around sports for sure. But I haven't really put much thought into it because the moment that you start to put, you know, so much time and thought and interest into other things, they take away from what you're doing. Ooh, now I'm really hesitant to ask the follow-up <laughs> question, and I know you feel the same way, DP. What's that? The obvious follow-up is, well, what about coaching? Because you know. Oh, oh no, no, because I, I was actually going to bring this up because. We've had similar conversations with Andre Johnson, and he used mm-hmm. to say, I would never go into NFL coaching. <laughs> I would probably stick to high school. I wouldn't even do college because I don't want to recruit. I like to have my free time. And now here he is on the, the coaching staff here, him, TJ Yates, Akeem Dent. Like, we've got a number of former players that said they would never coach the NFL, and here they come again. Do you think that, that could, you could have a glimmer of a possibility of doing that? It's a possibility, I guess. When you love the sport and you've been around it for so long, um, some guys, you know, they look at it to where they just go over there just to play the game and that's it. But a lot right. of guys that love the sport have to be around have to be around the sport, you know, or have something to offer to the sport and give it back that type of way. So it's whatever kind of fits your mold. But I think for me, um, and a lot of those guys that you kind of said, it's easy. I wouldn't say that coaching is easy, but the transition is kind of easy because, you know, at certain levels you still have to learn. You have to get developed in a certain way and learn the way that they do it there. So I think – all those guys, it's a learning curve, but at the same time, football is a passion for them, so it's easy when you have the passion for it. And I, I would think that you get to keep the nice, the aspects of the sport that you love, like the locker room, the camaraderie, the game day, you know, that, that close-knitness that you had when you were playing. You get to still maintain some of that if you are yeah. around the game afterwards, too. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, um, just seeing Brian Cushing over there. Um, oh, and Andre Cushing, Johnson, I didn't even mention him, right? You know, those guys, TJ, Akeem Dent. Um, it's a little funny when Brian Cushing, you know, uh, go over there, J. Joe, give me six sets of that in the weight room. But I never looked at it any different because, you know, that's his role. That's his, He's a strength coach. But um, it's fun just to have a guy like that around to where he's respected in the locker room. And I see the respect that he gets from the players around and um, just to be around the game itself. You know, we were t- I was talking with running backs coach Danny Barrett in the preseason, and I asked him the question. I was like, hey, anybody in your room you could see winding up being a coach after it's all done? And he's like, definitely Lamar Miller. And then he segued. He's like, yeah, and on the other side of the ball, Jonathan Joseph, I could definitely see him. So he was, he's kind of got you uh, pegged as a guy. <laughs> who trans- but as you said, don't put any thought into it. Right, right, right. Give that any power. <laughs> yeah, I made the caveat, like, well down the line. A decade from yeah. now, maybe. Okay, next question for the crowd. What's your name? Dominic. Dominic, what's your question? What are you most looking forward to the rest of the season? Oh. Winning. People winning, like winning. winning. Well, that winning. too. Winning. For sure. Sunday. Winning. Staying, <laughs> winning, staying healthy. And, you know, um, obviously, um, personal goal, um, past defense record. So, you know, uh, I think, I don't know how many I'm away, but uh, I, like, I like to break their record. You know, so um, that's You're the very goal. close. You just moved right? into sixth a week or two ago, so. Mm. That's all you need time. a few more, I think, to get to fifth. Everybody who's ever played the game, I mean, that's amazing. Refresh my memory. Who was your hero corner when you were coming of age? Uh, Deion Sanders. Yeah. yeah Is there Deion anyone Sanders. else, really? I mean, like. I know. <laughs> I kind of, it was a loaded question. If you were born after 1975, I think that's mm-hmm. about, like, mm-hmm. the default answer for anybody that plays. In, well, almost, you know. I mean, there's lots of other guys you have. Um, but. But just me, like, like Deion Sanders, Jeff Burris, um, mm. guy was from my hometown, Sheldon Brown, those guys. But I just love the game of football. So um, but I was a 49ers fan, so that's why, you know, when Deion Sanders came on. Do you get to talk much time. with him through the years? Yeah, for sure. You know, anytime we run into each other. You know, um, I have a conversation with him and talk, you know, but um, it's kind of weird because you always idolize a guy like that and then just to talk to him and kind of have the direct access is a little weird. Is it football talk or is it just random stuff or both? It's a little both, you know. um, A lot of times, a lot of people think, like, even if I'm talking to Bill O'Brien, they think that we're always talking football. It's just random things that you you would never probably imagine that we're talking about in that moment while we were at practice. But um, I think that's what makes the game of football really good because it's about having those bonds and relationships with people, you know, and um, looking up to a guy like Dion, you know, it's special for me. To play as long as you have or to play for any length of time, really, how much do you have to love and embrace practice, the daily <laughs> grind of it all? Because Sunday's got to be a real joy to be out there, but the daily part of it when you're out there doing your work. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that you have to uh, get used to, honestly. Uh, for me, I like to practice because I think practice prepares you for the game. Um, the more and more I see it in practice, it gives me the confidence to when I get in the game, I know exactly what I'm looking at and what I'm seeing. And then uh, it's the flip side, too. When you get a little older, you're like, I don't probably need a 1,000 reps just because I need to be fresh on Sunday also. Mm-hmm. But I'm so competitive to where I want to get out there. And that's why I kind of play a lot of pickup basketball in the offseason to where I just run up and down and compete the whole time. That's almost like a simulated practice for me because in practice a lot of times it's the same repetitive plays. So in training camp, the younger guys get the same reps, but the older guys get a lot of the rest. So I can't sharpen my skills, so I have to find some type of way. Do you feel like over the course of the week when you're going through practice, can you tell if you've had a good week of practice that you're going to have a good game? Can you <laughs> pre-predict what your your performance is going to be or the team's performance is going to be? Because I often hear coaches say, we had a good week of practice, we prepared well, so we were going to have a good game. But I imagine 
like there's got to be times when you guys don't have good weeks of practice, but then does that still translate to game day? That's why I laugh. Why? Because um, it doesn't matter? Or does like, it? It's sometimes, you know, like us as players, you know when it's a bad practice, but it'd be like, man, we got carved up today. And, like, I mean, balls completed everywhere, runs popping everywhere, and you go out there and you have your best game as a defense. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's kind of hard to judge, you know. Um, but even, like, you can just look at it be like sometimes on a Saturday in a walkthrough and three or four things just happen, like guys running wide open, you know, a fumble snap or just mm-hmm. things like, oh, my God, here we go. And then you go out there, you play a perfect game on Sunday. Maybe and people are more <laughs> dialed in after making those mistakes. Like, then oh. you go and practice sometimes, and you're clicking on all cylinders, and you go out there in the game, and you're like, you can't hit nothing, everything is off. So it's kind of hard to judge it. I think you just look at over the course of time, you know, you just continue just to go out there and practice hard, looking for the small little things. Guys know their assignments. And I think once you do all that, everything else takes care of itself. Let me rewind a couple of weeks, because when you were playing the Chargers out in L.A., you came up with the big stop at the end of the game. And you know, it's funny because – Look, they did have some success that game, but at the moment of truth, you guys came up big in the secondary, and you almost had a pick, I mean, a diving attempt to end the game. And what, what were your memories? What can you share with, with us about that drive? You know, um, football is weird that type of way because you can stop teams all, day, all, day, all game, and then teams can move the ball all game, but then they get in the two-minute for whatever reason. They just move the ball up and down the field. And then you think as a player, like, why don't we run two-minute offense all game? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it's so successful now, why weren't you doing yeah. it? Yes. It's weird. Like, you just watch. It don't matter what game you watch. And I always feel like that, especially college football. But um, throughout that moment, you know, it was the big third down they made where he scrambled. And I thought we had a sack there. And he made the throw over to Keenan Allen on the right side. And I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. I was like, mm-hmm. it's a dogfight for sure now because when you have a team fourth and 13 or 14 or 15, you for sure think you're getting out of that one. And then Phillip made another play when he scrambled down the right side. And you're thinking, like, out of every quarterback in the league, Phillip Rivers is not going to scramble on us. <laughs> and for sure he did it. And I'm like, man, we're down here, you know, tight time on the goal line, you know, 20 yards in. And then that's when the guys just stepped up. The pass rush came alive. And that's when, you know, we banged the time out there. Mm-hmm. And obviously to get guys a fresh blow, a guy like J.J., that's situational where – to where, you know, just take me off the field for one play. Next play he comes in, he gets the big sack. Yeah, that was – I know – I know what you're talking about because I'd come down from the press box and the play the play before ends and JJ's making the the signal down low timeout, but it didn't get called. They wanted to wait for them to get back to the line of scrimmage. They, I mean, he bought another 30, 45 seconds for you guys of rest, and then right when they're about to snap it, O'Brien calls a timeout. I mean, you guys talk about that. You guys know that that's going to happen, don't you? That you're going to wait, but the timeout's coming. Mm. Well, we just talk throughout it as players. You know, it's like a lot of times when we in a long drive like that you're naturally going to get tired because yeah. – and then when you have a third down and long or a fourth down that gets completed, it just takes another blow from you. like, man, because you know as a defense you had him in the right situation and you let him get off the hook. So now you got to go up there and bowl up for another three, four plays or get a stop. And, you know, um, we had it happen the first couple of games. And we was like, you know, talking like we have a situation to where we can just get a timeout or just get a blow. We get one big stop, you know, in a crucial situation. They can either put him out of field goal range, get a turnover, whatever it may be. And that was a prime example right there. Yeah, he milked it for all it was worth. I mean, it was another 30 seconds you guys had. And for, for the most part, since the Saints game, the dam's not really broken. You guys haven't given up really too many big plays, if any. Yeah, and the way football is now, you look around, quarterback throwing it 50, 55 yeah. times a game. It's kind of hard to complete. Like, 100 yards as a wide receiver now is not as big as it used to be. Just because if a guy's getting 10, 15 targets, he catches three passes for 
20 yards. He's already at 60, 70 yards. Yeah. So it's really about limiting those big 60, 70-yard games, giving up mm-hmm. one-play touchdowns, things like that. Yeah, make them work for everything they, they're going to get. Yeah, absolutely, right? because over the course of time, you're going to get a stop. You're going to make a play here and there. All right, give us a kid update. How are your kids doing in sports? <laughs> I think they're doing all right. Um, playing football pretty good. My daughter's doing a little gymnastics now. Um, Wait, so how old is your son? Oldest is 16. Middle son is 11. My daughter is 5. Does the five-year-old have her own talk show yet? She's Not at how long before Tremendous. she does? <laughs> how long before she has her own talk show? I would love for her to have her own talk show other than the living room with a dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you take that somewhere else. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But she definitely keeps the house busy, keeps everyone going, and um, that's what it's all about, I think. You know, when you have kids, just being around them and being see the smile on their face and just bringing life to the family. All right, so what about college football? How much do you watch these days? I try to watch more and more, but it's hard um, because you get to the hotel on Saturday or when I come home, if we're in a home game on Saturday, I have to try to find where Jonathan's playing the game at. Yep. And when I'm over there now and I get back, I have to watch some film, do some mm-hmm. studying. So I really just can't – because if I'm watching the game, I have to really watch it. Like I just can't put my head down here and I have to watch it. But um, So I just kind of see the night games, then the ones that I normally watch in the hotel and I just fall asleep on, which normally is West Coast games. Oh, yeah. What position does Jonathan play? He's a wide receiver and um, safety and little running back. Mm-hmm. So you give him a lot of pointers. What is it like to watch him be coached by other people? <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I would imagine that is a challenge sometimes. No, it's actually it's, it works. He never listens to me. Um, uh-huh. That's one That's of his so coaches funny. out there in the stands right there. That's uh, his best coach right there. <laughs> right. You know, I think I put a lot of time in. It's funny because I say the same thing that they're saying. Mm-hmm. But um, he just, for whatever reason, just listens directly like, to But them. that's my coach. That's yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Absolutely. Mike Rabel saying that once, too. He, well, I, was, I was hosting something with him, and he, someone asked him that question. He's like, I, I could tell him all day, but as soon as his coach says yeah. something, then that's who they listen to. I was to. like, we had to drive all the way to North Houston just to hear the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just told you that. <laughs> that. That's tremendous. All right, a little bit more on the Chiefs here. As you... When do they deliver the game plan to you? Is that Wednesday morning? Do they yeah. give it to you on an iPad on Tuesday? How does all that work? I'm sure you can probably get it Tuesday night, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I really just, you know, I watch film myself on Tuesday just to get a feel. Um, they give us the, they actually give us the first second down. They'll give us the cut up, so you can't go on there and watch it. And uh, most guys do watch it because you don't want to come into the meet on Wednesday. And the first time you see Kansas City is Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. And you have to go out there and practice. So, you know, I go over and watch it. And, um, but we don't get the game plan. We just get the cut-ups, you know, first, second down, third down, the games that they played previously. And I think um, when we get over there Wednesday morning, we go and they give us the first, second down run package, first, second down pass, and play action pass. And we go over those, and then we split up and go into individual meetings. And that's when you can, you know, put the calls in and break down new situations to where if you have a player want to play this different role or that role. When you play a divisional team and it's the second time you played them that year, how much of the of their last game do you watch versus the last time you played against them? Well, you watch it. It's all about the coordinator for the most part. You know, mm-hmm. um, you look when we play the team. Um, I'm trying to think who just had a pass coordinator. We just played, but anytime you just go back, it can be two years down the road. Um, Atlanta, we went back and we looked at previous film before, and it was a lot of the same motions. Jamie Winston with James Winston, yeah, with Dirk Cutter. Yeah, we yep. looked at that and we seen a lot of the same motions, some of the same things that they were doing. They gave us, okay, well, we can match it up with this when we're going into the game. So okay. you have to kind of go and dig a little deep, you know, when it comes to certain situations. How do you like those virtual reality rooms where, the, where you can do the walkthroughs? I know those are new. 
What have you thought about those sort of help you visualize? I guess it's good. Um, I, I guess everybody learns different. So I, I was like, are you, is it like an adjustment for you to actually have to learn like that? No, nah, it's not. It's, 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 it's kind of cool, I guess, other than sitting in the meeting room all day and kind of looking up at you know, the same screen. It gets you out of there, lets you walk around a little bit. And like I said, everybody learns different other than sometimes being on a dry erase board and seeing the guy, you know, racing it off and moving it over there, opposed to you being out there and I'm actually seeing that move across and I get to shuffle across with it mm. and simulate it itself. You've played in some loud places in your career. Where's Kansas City compare? How loud is it? Is it the loudest? Anything louder? It's definitely loud. That was my first career start, my first NFL game. Um, Delta O'Neal was out, and I started for Delta O'Neal. And um, Dante Hall was actually there then. Mm. And um, that's the game that um, the quarterback got knocked out, Trent Green. Was right. Trent Green with the concussion. Oh, yeah. yeah, and um, I just remember it was extremely loud, that game there. And that was the first time I ever seen, like, a concussion face on. And you can hear a pin drop at the same time. Mm. So um, that's my memory from back then at Kansas City. I say loud. Like, it doesn't matter to you. You're on defense, so it's not going to really be too loud in opposing stadiums. No, nah, not at all. But um, you, when you go on the road sometimes, you're at offense, you can definitely hear the difference. Because yeah. sometimes you go into some stadiums and the offense is on the field and it's not that loud. And then sometimes you go out there you like, man, they really coming out. You know, mm-hmm. you, can feel, you can feel it. Yeah. You had some loud stadiums. New Orleans was just crazy loud. Exactly. We were, de- we were debating, about. was New Orleans louder? Was Seattle louder? Yeah, it's like they know the exact time to get loud. And, you know, as a player, you know, that gives you energy. That puts you into the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, that brings life into that building, you know, believe it or not. All right, Jonathan, we really appreciate you visiting here tonight. We look forward to seeing you the rest of the week. And uh, here in uh, about a month or two, we'll get the schedule out to you guys. Gotcha, no problem. Thank you guys for having me All right, how about it for Jonathan Joseph? Coming up, Texans All Access here at Bud Rutgers in town and country. This is Texans Radio. The Houston Texans scratch ticket from the Texas Lottery is your ticket for a chance to win up to $100,000. And it's your opportunity to enter promotional drawings for a chance to win an away game trip on a private plane, VIP season tickets, luxury suite tickets to a home game, and more. So get your Houston Texans scratch ticket today. Houston NFL Holdings LP, all rights reserved. For detailed game odds and information, visit txlottery.org or call 800-375-6886. Must be 18 or older to purchase a ticket or enter a promotional second chance drawing. Play responsibly. Hyundai, the official car of the Houston Texans. Say goodbye to summer and hello to huge savings at Rod Carter Hyundai. Get 0.0% on Hyundai's most popular 2019 models, 0.0% APR for 60 months on Hyundai Sonata, and 0.0% APR for 72 months on Hyundai Elantra. That's no interest for up to six years. Hyundai Assurance, America's best 10-year, 100,000-mile limited powertrain warranty. Gulf Freeway, just two minutes south of the Beltway. RodCarterHyundai.com. On approved credit, $13.89 for $1,000 finance, plus TTNL offer ends 10919. 10919. 10919.